Thank you for downloading this week's episode of PR Week's Coffee Break. For more episodes, visit PRWeek.com. Hello, everyone. It's Steve Barrett here, Editorial Director of PR Week. Welcome to another edition of Coffee Break. And we have a fantastic guest this week. It's Larry Rosen, who's the Vice Chair of SKD Knickerbocker. And... Um, Hilary, welcome to Coffee Break, and you're you're retiring. What's going on? A young person like you, I'm transitioning. I'm, transitioning. That retirement word is kind of bandied about a lot. Our word, yeah. COVID. But you know what? I've been at the agency now for 12 years. We built up a great agency. We um, sold it to the Stagwell Group, uh, which has turned out to be a great home with a lot of synergy with with other companies that they have. And it's just time for me to do something else. I love it. I love the people there, and I'm excited about what they're going to do, but they're going to do it without me. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people have sort of been reassessing their lives, haven't they, over the last two years during COVID? Was that, was that part of it, or were you going to be doing it anyway? This was sort of my timetable anyway, actually, maybe even a, a year or so later. My partner, Anita Dunn, went on the Biden campaign, then she went into the White House, then COVID hit. So, you know, I felt some good obligation and to make sure we were in good in good shape um, before I, I moved on. And, you know, the firm is really strong and we have an amazing pool of talent, um, senior talent and junior talent. And we're doing a really great, you know, diverse kind of work. Our business right now is about a third elections, a third corporate and a third nonprofit, which is very unusual for firms. And I don't I don't think many can can um, uh give their employees and give their clients sort of that kind of diversity across the board. And we're lucky we've been able to sustain it. Yeah. Um, tell us a bit about that type of work and how, what maybe some of the lessons you've learned over the, since, you know, you, you started growing the agency. And I think you were acquired by Stagwell in 2015, weren't you? So you're all through your own outs and very much embedded in that group. And clearly that group is has evolved massively over the past few years and with its relationship with MDC and lots of acquisitions. So tell us about what you've learned along the road. Yeah, we were Stagwell's first uh, acquisition. So, you know, we learned, I think we, we learned how to grow with them as a, um, a parent company and, you know, some good lessons actually around if you're going to be a part of a holding company, when you want to assert your independence and when that's important and when you want to find synergies across the board. But look, basically, we're, you know, we're all in the service business and we will do best in our business when we work with leaders and organizations that are trying to do their best, that are, you know, either needing help identifying their values or needing help executing on their values. You know, that that's kind of fundamentally what we do, whether that's for a, a political candidate or whether it's for a cause or for a company that's just seeking to, you know, engage the uh, country in a different way. Yeah, as that type of, obviously that type of work changes from administration to administration and the environment changes and you're, you're used to that over the years, but has any of the, the fundamental bricks and mortar of, of that business changed in, in the past couple of decades? You know, what are, the, what, what are the things you'd identify in that area? Well, sure, a lot has changed. Um, you know, it's interesting. We um, we're all Democrats uh, at at our firm, or former journalists. There are a lot of independents there, um, 
you know, when Trump came in uh, several years ago, people predicted kind of our demise. But instead, we decided we were going to be a hub of, of the resistance and we were going to help both companies and causes be, you know, to help them to survive, whether that was helping Planned Parenthood, who was trying, they were trying to defund, or whether that was, you know, helping save Obamacare, or whether that was, you know, helping a company like Starbucks, who all of a sudden people were accusing of being political when all they were doing was being uh, concerned uh, community citizens. So I think there is kind of political waves that come and go, but the basics of sticking to your values, sticking to help staying, you know, staying a course with integrity hasn't changed. I would say tactically, a lot's changed. I mean, so much more digital, uh, much more focus on social, much more focus on branding around social, much more rapid response. And I'd say proactively digital too. And that has been something that was heretofore kind of focused on the marketing side of, of these companies and these businesses. But, you know, it's very much taken over in the PR and public affairs side as well. Now, how do you think the Democrats are doing since they came back in, um, getting their messaging across? It's a, it's a tough fit political environment. It's very febrile, isn't it? There's, it seems to be very difficult to get stuff done, even in those first two years, which traditionally would be when that was business time, right? This is when we get our agenda out there and we get it done. But Biden's administration seems to be having trouble doing that. What would your advice be to them in terms of delivering on the narratives and establishing more of a narrative for the for the administration? You know, there's a lot of energy spent around here and around Washington and, and the White House and Democrat politics sort of blaming the media for the good work that's been happening, not getting out there in the country. And I, I think some of that is fair, but for the most part, I think people have to look at their own lives, right? We, you know, we have an economy that has been rebuilding during the worst pandemic we've ever had. We've had a government that was literally falling apart because the Trump administration never put in thousands and thousands of jobs in the, in the federal government, jobs that help people, whether it's getting your social security check on time or a small business loan or, you know, preserving a national park. And rebuilding the government for, uh, for people has been a significant part of the Biden administration. I think a lot of the infighting on Capitol Hill has been discouraging for people externally. And I think that there's a bit of a blind spot among Democrats and even the White House on some of that, you know, because that infighting creates some of the pessimism that people have and makes people be a little blinder to, you know, there was a big infrastructure bill passed, something that hadn't happened, you know, in, in 20 years. There was a big um, COVID relief uh, bill that had passed. So there have been accomplishments. And I think that, you know, Democrats' biggest problem right now is that uh, they tend to, we, I'll say we, we tend to talk about policy instead of people. Republicans are much better at talking about people. And when you look at, you know, we're pissed off that our kids are, you know, still wearing masks at school and even sometimes closing schools and you never know where the teacher's going to be. And, you know, online schooling is awful. And then, you, you want to just go to a restaurant and relax and all of a sudden you've got, you know, to show your Vax card and just all of these daily inhumanities that people have been facing. I think well, Democrats could probably do a little better job empathizing with it. Yeah, I know there was a lot of excitement when Kamala Harris was named vice president and she even had a very short spell as president when uh, 
President Biden was under the anesthetic, which I think <laughs> President Trump refused to do because he didn't want to have that. Uh, right. um, how yeah. do you think she's done and how do you think it, she seems to be disappointing a few people, whether that's her fault or whether that's the way the administration is being played out. What's your take on that? You know, I've been in Washington a long time and I've actually never seen a vice president kind of jump out of the box and 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 have a big profile and get all the attention and do all the initiatives because that's kind of not what the job is. The job is really to support the administration and to support the White House. And I think that the vice president has had a little bit of a disadvantage. I'm sure people are going to say I'm going about to claim sexism and I'm not. You know, Joe Biden was in the Senate for so many years. He knows these people. He was there much longer than Kamala Harris was. And typically, and look at Biden as the example, or look at uh, Dick Cheney as the example for George Bush, or uh, look at Al Gore as the example for Bill Clinton. Vice presidents were coming in with more Capitol Hill experience than the president. So they could get the assignments like, all right, we got a problem on the Hill, go out there. And they could they could be you know, sent in to, to help rally the troops. But the truth is that Joe Biden actually is closer to a lot of the troops or at least knows them longer and knows many of the those centrist Democrats longer and, and um, their districts better than the vice president. And so I think she's had to find other ways to contribute, um, less traditional ways for the vice president. And people don't really, you know, think about what the day-to-day -day role is. But if your day-to-day -day role is to kind of support the initiatives, that traditional role of being the inside player is probably not where her strength is. So I think they're starting to get her out of the White House, sending her on the road, meeting with groups, engaging with the public and, and telling more of that story and listening to people more. And the president himself has been fairly um, light on media interviews, hasn't he? Which uh, was actually a criticism that President Trump had. He would only sort of appear on certain media outlets, but, but President Biden's been out there even less. Is that a, a specific strategy? Has he spent his time doing, working the inner workings of, of, of the system, like you said there? Or is it that they're a little nervous about putting him out there because sometimes he doesn't come over as well as he could? Oh, I don't think it's that they're nervous about putting him out there. I think it's that they're, they don't want the media to decide what the priorities are. And sometimes in a press conference or an interview situation, it's the questions that get more attention than the answers. And so I think that the strategy is let's let's have media availabilities around issues that we care about that we're focused on this is the you know not an unusual strategy this white house does not believe that this country is lives on twitter the way many people in you know our business act um and they're spending a lot of energy actually with local media with local um uh, broadcasters and local print around the country so you know, I think that they are trying to, as much as possible, control the message, period. I mean, it's not it's not complicated. It's just a different kind of discipline. Now, you've long been a contributor to CNN and, and across the media, and I think you're going to be doing more of that. What are your plans post-SKDK? Well, I'm going to stay with CNN and, you know, speak out where I can be useful. I have some uh, service projects that I'm interested in and, and some public entities. I, I'm honored to serve on the board of Howard University. That's going to get more of my time. Looking forward to some travel. And, you know, I think that there are some strategic uh, projects that I'll end up helping good people with.
it's it's um both up in the air. I've gotten uh you know uh, a lot of inquiries, but we'll see how it goes. I'm taking it slow. You, you deserve it. Um, what about the sort of um, the the way politics is going to develop as we start? That one thing coming from the UK. As I realized quickly, is the election campaign pretty much is well. It, it's it used to start eighteen months before. Now right. it seems to be just nonstop, and right. uh, can be can be exhausting actually. In the UK, it's eight weeks, and we're done with it. And the people are kind of happy like, about that. But it's very different in the states. And although the UK is sort of catching up, isn't it? You know, you've got between um, the the COVID sniping and the oh yeah. Boris Johnson, you know, um, scandals. There, there, there's quite a bit of politicking happening right now in the oh, UK. Oh yeah, there's plenty of politicking. It's just not so much necessarily revolving around the election so much. Um, yeah, no, absolutely. We've got. <laughs> I guess I would say that it's kind of a um, uh, a byproduct of the open democracy that we have in our in our system, right? Which is that the people really do decide, and so the effort to talk to and with the people. Um, is never ending, and it is it is frustrating to see politicians pander. It's more frustrating to see politicians unafraid to do things or take stands because they're afraid of their constituencies. But I think it is a natural outflow of kind of campaign finance, uh, having to be reelected every two years. It's just a it's just a um, a byproduct of the system. It's not yeah. going to. And just to finish, what's the one thing we should be looking out for in the DC world? Um, you know how it works better than anyone. It's uh, it's a bit of a mystery to some people who are outside that bubble. But uh, what's the one thing in the sort of PR and communications areas that you think we should be looking out for over the over this new, new calendar year? You know, I think these concentric circles of media, politics. Um, and constituencies are as intertwined as they have ever been, ever, ever, ever. Um, media influences politicians just as much now as um, their constituencies do. And in, in fact, using the media tends to be much more uh, of an important way to get to politicians and to get positions across than even, you know, emails into the Capitol. And so I think what you see now uh, it's only going to get more significant, which is how do you impact the environment in which these decisions are made? Because that will have more impact on politicians. And so in the public affairs space, that means paying attention to stakeholders and influencers of all kinds, whether that's, you know, groups or, you know, academics or reporters or, you know, business constituents or consumer uh um, advocates, civil rights advocates, it's just across the board, the level of stakeholder engagement has become so much more important than it ever has been. All right, Hilary, well, thanks so much for joining us on Coffee Break and gr great uh, luck with your next steps. Um, look forward to catching you on CNN and thanks so much. My pleasure. Take care. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Coffee Break. For more episodes, visit PRWeek.com.